Luke chapter 24, 19. I'm going to read this section here. It's pretty long, but I mean, and we need to read it for the context of it all. Uh, Jesus appears to these folks on the road to Emmaus, and, and, and he said unto them, What things? Of course, they, they said, There's, Don't you understand what's been going on in Jerusalem? Are there a stranger in Jerusalem that's not known the things which come to pass? That's verse 18. And he said, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was the prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. And we trusted. This was their disappointment. This is their disappointment. And we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and a certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early in, at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, this is Jesus in disguise, O fools, and slow of heart, believe to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And so beginning at Moses and all the prophets, and that's, by the way, probably starting at Deuteronomy. He could have started at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He could, could have started at Deuteronomy chapter 18 because it was said in that chapter that God would raise up a servant like unto his servant Moses, and that's who Jesus was, by the way, as a type. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wouldn't you have loved to be at that Bible study? And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though that he would have gone further. And they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. The day is far spent, and he went in and tarried with them. And Came to pass, they sat at meat with them. He took bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave to them. And look at what happened. Their eyes were open. And they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And this is our text. And he said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, while he opened to us the scriptures? Have you ever had holy heartburn? That's what they had. Heartburn. Now, if you haven't had this, I feel sad. I feel bad for you, really. I do feel bad for you. But it's a process of the mind to the heart. That's the direction of it. It goes from the mind to the heart. And that's the way God deals with us. He deals with our mind, and then he goes to our heart. But he wants both. He wants both. These boys had some holy heartburn on the road to Emmaus as they had the greatest Bible teacher that ever lived or died, the living Word of God teaching them the written Word of God. Wow. I say, wow. And as he began to teach them, their mind began to understand it. Their mind began to grasp some of it. And their heart 
caught on fire and began to burn within them. And they had some what we may call here holy heartburn. And they said, didn't we feel that? We felt that. I hope you feel that when you read the Bible. You ever read the Bible? I can't read the book of Luke. The crucifixion around the last few chapters of the book of Luke make me just have a burn, and my heart burns when I read that. Tonight, we had an interview with uh, uh, Brenda Webb, and she gave her testimony of being saved, and my heart burned. My heart burned in the meeting. I thought, this is what it is. This is a never-dying soul just got saved. And the Bible says, all heaven rejoices over one sinner that repenteth over the 99 that need no repentance. I just take it for the truth that there's, a, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. When somebody gets saved, it's a big deal. And as my mind began to contemplate that, my heart began to burn. You see how it works? Your mind looks over the facts, and then those facts make your heart burn. You begin to say, wow. I'm going to illustrate this as best I can to try to help you understand what that is. Um, as the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so as we think, it changes our heart. If you think in your heart, you become that way. In other words, that your mind and your heart form who you really are. I think of Jehoshaphat uh, in 2 Chronicles 19, verse 3. It said, uh, Nevertheless, thou art, there are good things found in thee, and that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. It's the heart and the mind. Moses and the children of Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39. Know, that's the mind, therefore this day, and consider, that's the process, consider in thine heart the goal, and that's the goal, that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon earth beneath, and there is none else. Now let me read that without my insertion. Know, therefore this day, and consider in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon earth beneath, and there is none else. That'll give you a holy heartburn if you stay there long enough. You'll get excited about that, that we serve a, we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I got to hold it down. I got to hold it down. I'm not ready to explode yet. Psalm 139, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. So the, there it is again appearing both the heart and the thoughts, your mind, if I may say it that way. Moses exhorts the people in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart uh, and with all thy soul and with all thy might. It's interesting, if you look that up in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, where Jesus repeats that, he says, "The love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind." He puts mind in there. So there again, reinforcing the fact that you're to love God with all your heart and all your mind. There's nothing wrong with knowing. The old sometimes the old the old Christians up in the hills of Kentucky, East Kentucky, or up in the Blue Ridge and, and Appalachicola area believed it. They they uh, they were what I call a, a all heart church, but not much mind. There's nothing wrong with being intelligent. There's no sin in it as long as you got your heart. Amen? 
Well, there is something wrong and just be in your mind. How many times I went to Bible school and college where I went where there was these intellectuals, and most of the time they ended up being Calvinists, and uh, they were drawn to that Calvinistic uh, pseudo-intellectual philosophy of Calvinism, and they, they figured God out, explained him out, and had it all squared away, had God in a little box they made for him. And let me tell you, they're going to be surprised someday that God don't fit in that box. Well, they were, they were attracted to the mind. The mind was attractive. And many of them were cold as ice about their neighbor going to hell. They were cold as ice about bus ministry and about witnessing and about getting out in the highways and hedges and compelling them to come in because that's a, that's a matter of the heart. So they had a mind without the heart. You got those kind of folks. And you got folks that have a heart and no mind. That's your wild-eyed, uh, rattlesnake handling uh, emotional going, why running there? Run, I'm not nothing wrong with running the aisles. You want to run the aisles of the gospel, just don't trip and sue us. And uh, people get excited about the things of God. I don't mind how excited you get about the things of God. You want to shout and say, Amen, go over to God, hold your hands up. It's all in the Bible. But your mind, your, your mind needs to be with it. You with me? Can't just be vain emotion. We don't just get excited to be excited. We get excited because there's something to be excited about. I mean, some of you people haven't gotten excited in so many years. I don't know. I don't know if your head would blow up. But when you go to heaven, the first one of the first things you're going to do is your mind's not going to be able to comprehend the things that you see. For I have not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man what God prepared for them that love him. And you're going to shout. Glory to God, hallelujah, you're going to shout something. You're going to dance around. Man, people win a football game. They win the Super Bowl. They dance around, have a spell. I remember we won the championship, and Brother Thomas was on the team. Brother Moon, we got him doing the, doing the victory dance, three loops. He did, he did three circles. We got that on video. We should play that, man. We should play that for Brother Moon. It was impromptu. He wasn't thinking about it. They just went and had a long season. They, you know, they, they won the game, by, I think, by six points, that last game they played, and, and they really weren't expected to win, and he won, and, and the mind and the heart joined together, and he had him a little spell. Let me tell you, let's not insult our God who has saved us and written our names in the Lamb's Book of Life by not getting that excited sometimes about our salvation. Something that's eternal. That game that was won, and I think it was 2013, is long history. I never read it to be remembered much anymore. And who cares who won the Super Bowl in 1975 or 85 or whatever? Who cares about that? Who cares if they got a diamond ring, a Super Bowl ring, or any of that stuff? Oh, that's big at the moment, isn't it? It almost defines life at the moment, but soon that fades away. But the things of God are not going to fade away. They're going to get better. They're going to get deeper, wider, bigger, more important in your occupation, more important than what you owe. I mean, what, what you own, I mean. <laughs> I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. I spent most of my life singing that song. Oh, Amen. Now, where am I? Anybody can say in their mind they love you. 
but you want their mind and their heart, don't you? It's the heart that the Medal of Honor winner, there's very few Medal of Honor winners. And most of them are dead when they get post, post something. Thumas, post thumas. They're already dead. A few of them win it and are alive. But let me tell you, people that win the Medal of Honor, they weren't using their head. Nobody in their right mind would do that. Except they loved out of their heart. And their heart drove them where their mind didn't even want to go. And that's what's going to help you and me go all the way to the end and, and finish the course and keep the faith. Who's going to have a heart for it. How many here eventually, I know you're not going to want to admit this, but how many here had puppy love? Three of us? I mean, the rest of you lion cotton pickers. I mean, you know you had puppy love, the first love, you know, puppy love, puppy love. You weren't old enough to support a wife, but you loved that girl in eighth grade like, ooh, you thought she was it but you couldn't support her even if you wanted to. And she said she loved you with her mind, and then she cut you, and she gutted you, and you thought the world was going to end. There was no reason for living. If that woman didn't love you, there wasn't any reason for living. Now we're talking about eighth grade. Puppy love. What it was, it was a heart love, but not the mind. Your mind would tell you, I'm not old enough to get married. I can't support a woman even if I got married today. And her parent wouldn't, her parent wouldn't let it happen. Her, her, her daddy would probably come kill me. Your mind would reason. You weren't mind. You were thinking the heart. Oh, she's so beautiful. Oh, her hair is so gorgeous. I don't think an angel looks as good as she looks. Your heart was overwhelming your mind. You can't have that happen. And then she gutted you and fell in love with your friend. And you went around moping for a week, crying. Girls, when, when boys do that to a girl once in a while, the girls are like, oh, I can't live. I don't want to live. They Facebook each other. They don't use Facebook. They use other stuff. It wasn't your mind that was hurting. I feel what the, I remember what the pain was like. Pain was real. Pain was real. The pain of rejection was real. I mean, it hurt. My heart actually hurt. Are y'all, y'all here with me? My heart hurt. God's goal for us is to convince us about this truth through your mind and then get to your heart. Why? Because the heart's the seat of your affection. It's the a, it's a seat of your deepest affection. The, why did the children of Israel fail when they came out of Egypt? Why did they fail? Why, why did the children of Israel fail when they came out of Egypt? They had everything going for them. Right? Let me give you a list. Did they lack the knowledge of God? No, man. 
through Moses. He was right there giving them, giving them instruction. Did they lack seeing God's power? Whoa, they had the 10 greatest miracles ever recorded in history. Did they lack seeing the wonders and miracles? No. Did they lack knowing God's will? They knew exactly what God's will. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They knew the will of God. Well, here's what Isaiah said about him in Isaiah 29, 13. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, that's their mind, see, and with their lips they do honor me, that's their mind, but they have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward men is taught by the precept of man. It's just, a, it's just a knowledge thing. It hurts God's feelings when people only love him in their head, not their heart. I'm trying to help you. A parent wants his child's heart. You don't want the kid's head. The kid's head saying, well, i got to put up with this guy until I can get a job better. and maybe, you know, He still gives me free food, free place to live, and... The mind runs through those kind of scenarios, and i got to treat them good because of that, rather than, hey, I love my mom and dad. They birthed me. They changed my diapers. Uh, they fed me when I was helpless. They took care of me. And then the mind and the heart are engaged together, and the child's obedient. The child wants to do right. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's the way it is. Um, I think of David. He said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. By the way, you guys memorize the scriptures. That's not about this. That's, that's coming in here and going down here. Pretty soon that goes from here to here. You go over that. You know, you know brother uh, Jim, uh, Jimmy Knott, of all those people that memorize scripture, you're the most blessed. Yes, because you have to go, to, you have to go over it more than ever, all the rest of them put together. <laughs> And, and, and that, what that does, what that does, I've seen smart people where they can look at a verse and, and quote it. They don't get it. They don't get it. God wants you to go over that thing in your mind and over that thing in your mind and over that thing in your mind, and eventually that thing begins to begin to give you some holy heartburn, brother. It begins to warm you up. You begin to think about what the thing is saying, what the Bible's saying. Man, your mind and your heart engaged together. Memorizing Scripture is simply meditation of the Word of God, especially if you're dumb like me. You got to go over that thing and over that thing and over that thing and over that thing. I'm the guy that stayed up all night long to study for a final while a lot of them smart kids went to bed at 10 o'clock. But at least I got to go over and go over and go over and go over and it got to go into my heart. I think about the subject of I'm saved. Let's just take an example here. I'm saved. Let's just say this. Translate it to yourself. You're saved tonight. You're saved. How many saved tonight say amen? Okay, that's a lot. All of your sins are forgiven. Amen. Amen. All your sins are forgiven. You mean all my sins? Yeah, I mean all your lies, all your lusts, all your evil thoughts, all your hateful thoughts, all your coveting. You mean, preacher, that someday... Uh, someday I will, I will stand before God washed white as snow as if I had never sinned, justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, declared not guilty, and then given the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Woo, that's big. You mean, you mean preacher, someday uh, God will declare publicly that I am blameless? This is Bible now. This is mine. 
You mean someday that I'm going to be declared spotless? You mean someday that I'm going to be publicly declared unrebukable in his sight? You mean that I will not only be forgiven, but actually given a robe of righteousness, pure and white? Yes, a robe of righteousness. You mean that someday I get to have a perfect body? That didn't mean much in my 20s, but it has become a vital part of being saved. I get a new body, praise the Lord, I get a new life. I'm, I'm getting where I need a new body, flat out. I get a new body someday. I won't be overweight, it won't be misproportioned. <laughs> it's going to be a perfect body like Jesus' body, amen? You mean there's going to be no more, woo, no more pain someday, no more tears someday, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more goodbyes. Ooh. Pretty soon what happens when you begin to dwell on that, and meditate on that, it goes from up here, and pretty soon it runs down into the heart, doesn't it? You say, glory to God, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You want to get around, kick your feet up and say hallelujah. What's well, when you're by yourself, you may, you may have a little spell about it. You can do that by yourself, won't embarrass yourself in front of a bunch of folks, but you, you may or may not. Listen, when I was a member of... Uh, when I was a member of Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina, Harold Seitler, them people got, them old, them old mill workers that didn't have hardly anything to look forward to in life and spent dreary hours in those uh, clothing mills in Greenville. And But when they got saved and you talk to them about the mansion so bright and the new clothes of righteousness, they got excited. It went from the mind to the heart and they got happy. It was encouraging to me as a college student to sit under that kind of thing. I'm not talking about 45 minutes of praise and worship music trying to work you up into some sort of an emotional frenzy. I'm not talking about artificial Hollywood methodology. I'm not talking about choreographed or orchestrated things to try to get you excited. I'm talking about simply meditating on the truths of the Bible in your mind and letting them go to the heart. Did not our hearts burn within us when he reasoned through the scriptures? I think of the Bible. Woo, the Bible, this book. I read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. I don't know if you have, but I've read it a few times. You should get it and read it. Fox's John Fox wrote it. It's carefully, carefully verified on those stories that he has in John's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. It talks about the people who've died over this book because they believe what was in this book. Just because they believe. Why would you kill somebody? Why would you take all their property? Why would you torture them? Why would you put them in an arena and put the hungry dogs on them and put the hungry lions on them and then take bets who's going to die first or who's going to die last? Why would you do that for just the people that believe this book? That tells me there's something about this book that the spirit of this world fears and they hate it. Let me tell you, this whole this last this last four or five years of politics, when Trump started being friendly to the Christians, all of a sudden all hell broke loose on that man. I know he tweets and does all kinds of crazy stuff, but nobody gets that kind of criticism just for over tweeting and being obnoxious. He got that criticism because of what he stood for. You kind of and I kind of get a little bit of view 
of how the world really does feel about the things of God. Like they'd rather have just about anything else but this. People have given everything they had for that book. Well, I begin to think about me having access to that Bible. Somebody, you know, first grade, second, thank God for third and fourth grade teachers. Thank God for first and second grade teachers, K-5 teachers, K-4 teachers that teach kids to read. Some, some woman, I had, I had women in those days. I, had, I never went to K-5. I started at first grade. And uh, those teachers taught me to read. And I think about how God taught, how he allowed me to be under them, them women. And, and they taught me to read and taught me to do I-E-O-U, whatever it was. A-E-I-O-U. And taught me to read, taught me uh, uh, stuff like that. <laughs> Diphthongs, I'll throw that word on you. Diphthongs, tell me. Tell me about gerund sentences. Ooh, I was an English minor, if you can believe it. And I get to read this book. Ooh. Oh, I get to read this book. It's not the paper. We don't worship the paper. We don't worship the leather. We worship the thoughts and the words because it's the word of God, and the word of God abideth forever. You can get excited. It goes from the mind to the heart, doesn't it? And we get excited about it. We, we, we man, that's the process. We say glory to God, hallelujah. God's not looking for mindless, mindless experiences or just, or just emotional experiences. He wants your mind and your heart together. But I don't think there's any excuse for being dead and dry in the name of intelligence, in the name of reasoning, in the name of civility. Nobody seems to condemn anyone when they go to football games and basketball games and sporting events for getting excited. Nobody seems to condemn anybody. In fact, if you get condemned at those events, when your team scores a touchdown, if you don't get excited, they may think, the people around you may think they're, you're a traitor and throw you out. Oh, there's one of them, somebody else, he's rooting for the other team. We get excited, man. Say amen. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to say amen? Say amen. You feel in your heart burned, but heart burned a little bit? Say amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's like sick him to a dog. Makes your preacher feel like you're engaged. Because when your preacher sees your eyes closed, he knows you're not engaged. <laughs> you may think, well, he'll think I'm praying, but we're not, we're not quite thinking you're that holy. One of our members I called that coming in, I called, they're listening right now. They, I, I called them I'm coming into church tonight and I said, how, how are the services this morning? Watching uh, That person said, well, I'm sorry, preacher, but I fell asleep in the middle of the service. I said, I can cure insomnia. I said, that's the trouble with watching it all online, amen. When you're here, at least I see you asleep. I try to wake you up. 
Man, you don't want to be. And when I went to Bob Jones University and I, it was costing me, I was working all kinds of hours and I was paying my way through. I was married with a child and we're paying my way through and struggling my way through and trusting God moment by moment and day by day to just give me a job the next day and, and wondering if I was going to be able to make the payments. Brother, when I sat in those classes, I stayed awake because I knew those classes were costing me everything I had potentially as well as really. I stayed awake. I bet time you stayed awake. Well, I bet when you were the pig sleeping above the pigs so you could go through to vet school, I bet you stayed awake in class. And some of them other, some of them other people who mom and daddy were paying their way through, they, they were sleeping, they were going to sporting events, they were messing around, but you weren't. You were serious as a hound dog. He's a vet, you know, hound dog. That's why it's not so, not so smart to give people stuff. It's better if you earn it. It's better if you struggle. In fact, the struggle is where you learn. And you stay awake. Bible says it this way. I'm just telling you, he who forgiven much loves much. It's just what the Bible says. If it costs you a lot, you're going to love much. If you've been saved and forgiven a lot, you're going to love much. If you've been forgiven little, you love little. Everything is for free. You get a gratis mucho, go through the deal, everybody pays for your way, it ain't going to mean a lot to you. Not going to mean a lot. Can't help it. That's just the way it is. Are you living for Jesus with your heart tonight? Are you living for Jesus with your mind tonight? I hope so. You have churches out there that are mind churches, dead as a doornail. You have churches out there tonight that are, that are emotional as you can be. Crazy emotions, but they don't have their mind. They're not doctrinally correct. They're in disobedience of the Bible. The Pentecostal movement, they talk about having tongues and getting special gifts from God, and yet they let their women speak in tongues. The Bible forbids women to speak in tongues. In fact, it says they're to be silent in the church when it comes to tongues. It's amazing there are any women at Gospel Baptist Church. But it's the Bible. Is that the Bible or not? It's just the truth. Look, I didn't write the thing. I'm just a follower of the Word. And you have wild-eyed emotionalism is not what God's looking for, in, in, especially in disobedience to the written Word of God. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for people who understand the Word of God, are in obedience to the Word of God, with their hearts on fire like those guys at the road to Emmaus. And they have some holy heartburn for God. May the Lord help us. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked to with us by the way and while he opened to us the Scriptures? Father, thank you tonight for your Holy Spirit. May God in heaven you help us. Help us to have a good balance in this area. Lord Jesus, forgive us where we've had a mind religion, not a heart religion. Forgive us where we've had a heart religion, not a mind religion. Help us to have a combination of mind and heart put together and worship you in spirit and truth, both of them, together. Father, there's somebody in this room that needs Christ as their personal Savior. They've never trusted him. Or maybe someone in this room has trusted him this week and never has made a public profession of faith yet. The Bible says, Jesus said this, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. Now, that was big with me. First time I heard that, I thought, man, I want to confess Jesus before men. Now, it doesn't say how many men. It just says before folks. 
We like to give people here at the gospel a chance to do that. Maybe you've been saved, never gotten before a church group, a body of people, and said, hey, look, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, and I just want to let you folks know I did it. That's beautiful. God loves it. It's a beautiful thing. Maybe tonight you want to do that. Maybe tonight you're a born-again Christian, and you've kind of cooled off. Your relationship with Jesus is cooled off. You've forgotten from what you've been saved. You've been away from the sin so long, away from the, away from the cesspool so long, away from the miry clay so long that your heart's gotten cold. Go back to God. Get back in the book. Let God fire you back up. Help us, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.